Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Episode 119, Green Healing Show. Optimizing your physical and mental performance in just 30 minutes per day with Dr. Jordana Queen, Doctor of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition channel in YouTube and order my book Naturally Conceived through Amazon. Get pregnant by unleashing your reproductive power. Dr. Jordana Quinn today is with us. She is a doctor of physical medicine and rehabilitation. And we're going to talk about optimizing your physical and mental performance just in 30 minutes per day. How can we do it? So welcome <laughs> to my show, Dr. Jordana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about yourself first and uh, your history, how did you become a doctor, especially for physical medicine and rehabilitation, and what, what are you doing now? Yeah, that's a long story, but um, essentially, I have wanted to be a doctor as long as I can remember. I think, honestly, in seventh grade, I saw surgery on TV, and I was like, I want to do that. Um, and I've always been scientifically minded, like love the sciences, and also always been an athlete. So that'll kind of all come full circle. So um, yeah, I don't come from a family of doctors. I'm the first doctor in my family. So it definitely was just inner driven that I wanted to be a doctor and I, I'm an empath. So I, you know, I want to help people and all of that. So it just kind of fit my personality. Um, so I made it happen, <laughs> worked really hard in school and, um, and became a doctor. So I am actually a doctor of osteopathy, which is for those of you who don't know, um, I'm a DO as opposed to an MD, which essentially our schooling is exactly the same, except that DOs also learn um, hands-on approach to care. So we learn hands-on manipulations. We do, and often it's a more holistic approach. For example, in, in my medical school where I was learning cardiology, I also learned more in depth about the nerves that go to the heart and how they can affect your spinal cord. So sometimes if you have, for example, something wrong with your heart, you could have pain in your spinal cord. Or if you have something wrong uh, along like the upper thoracic spine, it can affect your heart. And so that's a very basic kind of overview of a DO. But um, the reason I became a DO um, is because when I was in college, so I had studied physiology and neuroscience. and um, I was just kind of disenchanted with the medical system in America at that time. And I thought, you know, I really want to help people, but it, it just didn't seem to me that um, MDs as a whole were the type of person I wanted to be. And obviously I'm over stereotyping, but um, that's how I felt when I was in college. And so I was like, there's got to be some other way where I can really affect change within people um, without just prescribing meds. And so, and I honestly don't think I could put, put those words to it at the time, but that's definitely how I felt. So I honestly went to a library and I did a bunch of research and I looked into traditional Chinese medical school and Ayurveda and, and I found Dr. Vasiapathy. And to me, that made sense because I still, again, really liked the like evidence-based medicine and the science, how I understood it as a Western 
person. And so I was like, okay, you know, DO sounds much more holistic. So I applied and I went to DO school. Um, and then once I was in medical school, everything was interesting to me. I quickly actually decided outside of my seventh grade self that I did not want to do surgery. Orthopedic surgery was still on the list, actually, but um, I wanted to treat athletes. And so sports medicine was always very high up there for me. But I also loved kids and I kind of loved a lot of things. But kids and sports medicine were two of my like loves. Um, and then, um, you know, during medical school, you have to make a decision. And I discovered a branch of medicine called physical medicine and rehab. And what physical medicine and rehab is, is the study of your physical health, uh, your uh, the study of movement. So anything that not makes you not move normally. So I went into that residency and I mean, we learn anything that makes you not move normally from brain injuries to spinal cord injuries, orthopedic injuries, rheumatologic conditions, neurologic conditions. I mean, anything that affects your kind of muscular and your musculoskeletal system. And again, as an athlete, that made sense to me. I also pretty quickly realized that I did not, for example, want to do primary care because I felt like it was, or at least when, where I had done rotations, it was begging people to take care of themselves, you know? So I would see patients who were, you know, overweight and had high blood pressure and diabetes, and they would literally come in and say, well, you didn't give me a pill that's, you know, good enough or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it was so interesting. And so I felt that in physical medicine and rehab, the patient had to do, you know, 50% of the work and I could be there with the patient, but it wasn't a blame game. It's like, well, if you don't move, it's your fault. I mean, again, that might sound terrible, but it was kind of true. I really wanted the patient to take responsibility for their health. And I, and I will be there 155% with you, helping you along that journey, but you do have to take responsibility for your own actions and your own health. So that's how I ended up in physical medicine and rehab, um, which is a four-year residency program. And then immediately when I got out of residency, um, I wanted to practice in the musculoskeletal sports medicine realm. Um, I actually got a fellowship in sports medicine that I declined because I was pregnant and I didn't want to move once. And then, you know, just to like another state and then move somewhere else to get a job. And so I figured I could just practice on my own, which I could. I mean, my residency was very um, in-depth in the sports medicine part of physical medicine and rehab. So we had we had really great training. So came out to Colorado where I got a job and was told that it was a musculoskeletal medicine job. And it turns out that it was complete. That was a complete lie, actually. And it was a pain management job, which is part of our training. Um, but it was um, not at all what I thought I was getting into. And so I ended up honestly prescribing huge doses of opiates to just this patient population that wouldn't take responsibility for their health. And I was I, and I and I did a ton of spine injections and that was fun to me. But I mean, I would talk to patients until I was blue in the face about health. I mean, which is what interests me. I love health. I mean, I love it makes sense to me, probably based on how I was raised and also being an athlete, like just if you eat well and you exercise, not that like all of your dreams will come true, but a lot of your dreams will come true and we'll get there. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it's important, like in like health and healing comes from within and comes from what you eat and how you act. And we just really, as physicians don't learn that. And also I think as a human, or at least the American population don't understand that we're so far removed from like what we put in our mouth affects our health. And again, back to the blame game, we like to blame our genetics and we like to blame our environment. We don't like to just take responsibility for 
what we do to ourselves. So I was in this type of pain management job where it was a lot of that. And I would just come home and honestly, like cry to my husband. Like I beg this person to take care of themselves. You know, they just, they won't, they just want another pill. They want another pill. I mean, um, I remember having like a 20 something year old patient who came to me on, I forget, ridiculous doses of Oxycontin and telling me that, you know, she had back pain because of bad genetics. And meanwhile, she weighed 300 pounds. And like, she would not listen to me that her weight is part of her problem. She was like, it's just genetics. It's not, you know, and just stuff like that, that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is not where I need to be in medicine. And I literally would talk to a hundred percent of my patients about um, their health, but they didn't want to hear it. Um, so that's kind of what led me to where I am today. Um, at that time, I had a couple of actual sports medicine patients and in competitive sports, you can't take oral steroids or do injections for like a rotator cuff tear or anything before um, a, a game, depending on what your sport is, because you can't have steroids in your system because they're considered performance enhancing drugs. And so I had a handful of patients who needed an, another treatment that wasn't steroids and they couldn't take meds or they didn't want to. And so um, I had heard of in residency something called platelet-rich plasma injections. And what that is, is taking your body's own blood, centrifuging out the platelets, and then injecting them back into an area of injury, like a shoulder or knee or ankle, to induce your natural healing response within that joint so that it heals itself. And so I had referred a few patients. I mean, I did a Google search of, you know, who does PRP injections close, found a, a clinic, sent them there. There was another patient who had a very terrible neurologic condition called complex regional pain um, syndrome. And she didn't want any of the kind of normal Western medicine treatments. And so again, I did another Google search of like, who does alternative treatments for this? And actually I knew a neurosurgical PA at the time who was one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And he was like, oh, there's a doc in town doing IV magnesium for, for this condition you should send her to him. And I Googled it and it's the same doc who did PRP. And this was, I mean, we're talking like a year apart or something. It was a long time. And I thought this doc does everything that like, or everything. I mean, I knew two things, but seems like he's cool. He does things that like, just make sense to me, like using natural medicine. What does he do? So I wrote him a letter and then kind of long story short, after shadowing him for a year, like he ended up hiring me and then taught me um, a, a field of medicine called anti-aging medicine which encompasses what's now broken up into little pieces of functional medicine and regenerative medicine. It encompasses some aesthetics. And so I, I worked for him for a decade and then opened my own practice two years ago. <laughs> so that's my story. I love doing the functional medicine as well. I'm a functional medicine practitioner too, that's so it's so interesting your story and to see that you find, found out that uh, natural healing and uh, actually holistic medicine can help your patient. As, uh, as you said, yes, people expect to, uh, uh, to have fast healing. That's why they like pills. Totally. <laughs> they yeah, they, they think, oh, if I take this pill, that's it. So that's why even uh, for my asthma, uh, I, I I just had puff. And from one doctor to another one, they just gave me different puffs. <laughs> <laughs> because you have the temporary uh, relief from it. And then you said, oh, that's it. You're done. Right. But, but because the root is still there, 
you may get it over and over again. Totally. Yes, yes that's so interesting. And uh, with the uh, anti-aging, you said, right? Aging? Anti-aging. Anti-aging, yeah. What did you do with that? And uh, tell me more about that one too. And so I still do a lot of that. So again, it encompasses, I mean, for example, you know, I see a wide variety of patients now. Um, The regenerative medicine component of my practice is where my heart is. I mean, as an athlete, I love helping people get back to doing their sport, you know, and so that's super cool to me. I mean, and I love doing procedures still, Um, but it never comes without, I mean, so I see some people who, or I see a lot of patients who come to me, for example, for just hormones or Um, But everybody, you know, at the root of everybody, everyone wants to feel better, no matter what their problem is. So if it's knee pain, you know, if it's knee pain, or if it's they're tired, or they have digestive issues, or whatever. So even my patients, let's say that think they're in very good health. So I see I have a good, like athlete population that are in very good health, like competitive athletes, some professional athletes. um, But um, but they want to optimize their health. And so anti-aging is more of we're not really treating disease. Um, it's it's a lot of preventative medicine, but um, kind of taking preventative medicine <laughs> like on steroids um, because we're, we're preventing disease, but they're already probably super healthy. So, you know, we go over actually everybody's, you know, stress levels, um, sleep, diet, exercise. I mean, no matter what, like I get a good log of those things but there are always some things that you can tweak or optimize. So I do an extensive blood panel um, or a pretty extensive, kind of a mediumly extensive blood panel on most patients. Um, And then, you know, we talk, so for example, someone's hemoglobin A1C is 5.6. Okay, well, sure, you're not diabetic, but you're right under prediabetes, you know, which the actual definition. So we spend a lot more time talking about you know, simple carbohydrates and what exactly they're eating or their genetic, I mean, and their genetics and um, that sort of thing. Because while they don't have a diagnosis, you know, we want them to be 5.1 or 4.9 or whatever they can be. So we're optimizing their health. So that's what kind of encompasses anti-aging. It's like if your blood pressure is 130 over um, 95, to me, that's high. You know, either we're going to treat it or we're talking about high blood pressure. We're not waiting until it's, you know, 180 over 100. To then diagnose you. So that's kind of the anti-aging component is it's just taking preventative medicine, but making sure people are truly optimized. So they have a lot of levels of things um, as that of a 25 year old or, you know, put a number on it, you know, and it's not all about numbers. It's about feeling good too. You know, so my approach to care in general is what are your goals as a human? And as you know, as a practitioner, they're very different for people. Some people want to have a high libido. Some people want to lose weight. Some people want more energy. Some people want better sleep. And while they're different, they're all kind of the same also, you know? And so, um, so it's, it's really just optimizing what someone wants, but sometimes, I mean, you have to do the internal work first, but the good thing about what I do is a lot of my patients are willing to put in the work. I see very few people these days who play the blame game. So I'm going to talk about your topic, optimizing your physical and mental performance in just 30 minutes per day. I'm very curious to know about that. But we have a few second break and come back again. Please subscribe to Panta Calhoun Transition Channel and order my book, Naturally Conceived, 
through Amazon. Thank you for watching. Okay. Tell me about this. How can okay. we optimize our physical, mental performance in just 30 minutes per day? Okay, well, it's not obviously as simple as it sounds, but um, I think it's a great title. And I do think kind of the long and the short of it is we can get there. So you're not going to, you know, go from eating chocolate cake for breakfast and ice cream for lunch and, you know, whatever for dinner and never exercising and never doing any mindset work or meditation or anything to spending only 30 minutes a day on 100% of the things and getting to your optimal performance. So I would say two things is one, Typically, this is targeting people who, again, are already pretty self-aware um, and healthy. But even if they're not, we can focus on a few of those things. And eventually, you can get to the place where you're really spending 30 minutes. I prefer 30 minutes twice a day. <laughs> but 30 minutes a day on, on your health, just focus on your health. So it's very geared towards, like, I have a lot of lawyers and people who are high-performing in the business space. And, you know, everyone doesn't have time for anything you want to tell them, right? You gotta do physical therapy. Well, I don't have time. You gotta eat healthier. I don't have time to cook. You gotta sleep more. I don't have time to sleep. You know, so 100% of people say I don't have time. So I thought, or I came up with this because I thought, well, what would I want? Because I also don't have time to do anything, but I make the time to exercise, you know, five times a week. I make the time to meditate five times a morning. I make the time to cook my family dinner or cook dinner seven nights a week or whatever. So it's, it's A, what you prioritize and B, this is exactly, this would appeal to me. And so you, so again, it's not starting out with 30 minutes a day, but it's getting to the point where A, your body is trained to do the right thing and B, you know what to do and then, and then you do it. So for example, I mean, often for me, when I go to work out, um, I'm a mountain biker. There's no way I can get a good mountain bike ride in in 30 minutes a day. But when I'm not on my bike, I'll do a, 22 or 30 minute hit workout. And so that's it. Like I can get, but it's focused. I mean, I'm working my butt off in those 30 minutes. There's no playing with my kids. There's no um, talking. There's no anything but wanting to throw up for 30 minutes pretty much when I'm working out that hard. So you can do that. You can, I mean, I firmly believe you can meditate when you get to the place where you can actually, so you have to practice for however long it takes you to sit and focus on your breath. And that doesn't happen overnight because I'm sure you know, everyone's like, I can't shut off my mind. It's true. I can't either. But I've been meditating for two years now, and I've gotten better at it. I still, you know, when times are stressful, or I have other things, my mind is not completely blank. But I for sure know that meditation has made a difference in my life. So I wake up and I try to do it 20 minutes a day. And then, you know, including like a gratitude practice. And um, so so you can do it 30 minutes a day. You know, I assume most people aren't gonna exercise for do a 30 minute hit workout every day. So you do a 30 minute hit workout Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, do a 20 minute like mindfulness practice or whatever you wanna call it, meditation, gratitude practice, do it for 10 minutes a day, then do 20 minutes of thinking about what you're gonna eat during the day. You know, if you cut up your fruits and vegetables on Sundays, like, I mean, I cut up at one point, I mean, I, I have a family of five, so I go to Costco and I, buy huge packages of fruits and vegetables. And then I spend my time cutting them up. So when I'm making my, I mean, I make, cook all my own meals, I make my lunch. It literally takes five minutes to pack a lunch or to throw things in, stir fry something for dinner. So I might be oversimplifying this and I can kind of go into more detail, but um, you can get to the point where you can really, you know, once you have 
once you know how to exercise, you can get a grid workout in 30 minutes a day. Um, once you have practiced mindfulness or meditation, you can slow the thoughts down and focus on your breathing in just 20 minutes a day. And then again, spend the other 10 minutes, you know, on whatever we talk about, you know, cooking, making yourself a healthy lunch. And so, so I really do believe that like, it doesn't have to take three hours of your day to live a healthy life, which is really what people are afraid of. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, even like I started with the sit-up in the morning <laughs> and then you can do a 10, 10 like sit-up, push-up, you know, every day and then you can increase it. But that's going to be part of your routine and you get used to it. Exactly. And meditation, as you said, five minutes, three minutes, even three minutes. Totally quality meditation really helps you sometimes i don't want to think i said okay done um i just want to sit somewhere and don't think about anything anything sometimes cooking helps because uh, while you while you cook you don't think about other stuff <laughs> you totally. just no so yeah as you said yes you can if you really prioritize and if you really take care of uh, take care of you, uh, for yourself like if you feel your body really worth it you do it <laughs> oh 100 percent. i mean it, again we i hear all the time that people don't have a time i'm like no no i just started a business i have three small kids and i support my family and i exercise uh, pretty much every day and i meditate and i eat healthy like you can do it but i prioritize that like what i don't prioritize is tv i can't talk to my friends or people about what's on like netflix i don't care not that i never watch tv but like i just like i'm so far behind on the things um and i think i watch netflix i mean probably on average 20 minutes a day maybe 30 like i just i don't care that much you know and that's like including maybe i watch a movie on the weekend it's just it doesn't interest me um i wake up at i mean i'm i'm pretty much working out by 6 or 6 30 almost every single morning you know i'm a morning person so i also know i'm not going to work out in the evenings um I mean, it just, I also feel like I can, I can pack a lot into like a one minute span. Um, but again, even meditation, when I started, it was very difficult for me. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it still is, but I can still pack more into a five minute meditation or mindset than two years ago when I started, you know, because I can, and I also because I don't beat myself up over it, right? Like I know obviously when I'm super stressed out is when I need it the most. And if I can't shut off my mind, that's okay. It was still valuable to sit for five minutes and focus on the breath. Even if my mind wanders every two milliseconds, you know, because honestly, I heard someone say this and it so much resonates with me. Even if I'm trying to focus on the breath for five minutes every day, it's five minutes where I'm not stressing out about the rest of my life which is so important because it does change those cortisol patterns in your brain and the, you know, the neuroplasticity of your brain. And it's just, you have to work on, and that's the other thing is, you know, the more you work on, again, all the categories that I think are important, which are stress, sleep, diet, exercise, you know, mindfulness, meditation, I put in the stress category. And then the things that you and I can help people with, which is actually like, whether it's prescriptions or whether it's supplements, I mean, those are, you know, or you know, regenerative medicine, those are kind of the categories that people can't necessarily do on their own, but all of those things are important and especially um, in the optimal performance um, kind of world. Um, 
but you have to make those neural connections first before you can get to the 30 minutes a day is, is what I was saying, right? Like I couldn't, I couldn't do a HIIT workout. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life, but I couldn't wake up tomorrow and I don't know, go play professional football, right? Without training. Like, so you have to train before you can get to the point where those things are more productive and you're, you're stronger and you're more powerful or, or whatever the case may be. So, um, but I do, like I said, see a lot of high performing athletes or high performing professionals who want a quick fix. So going back to what you said about everyone just wants the pill, but there is a quick fix, but sometimes it takes a lot of work to get to the quick fix. Exactly. So, um, so I see, I do see people who want, you know, more cognitive performance. And then, I mean, we could talk about things if you want to like specific things for that, you know, like, I mean, IV NAD or IV, you know, things that are not FDA approved. <laughs> that I don't word like IVN. What is IVN? NAD. Uh-huh. It's um, a specific form of B3 that works in the Krebs cycle. So, you know, NAD turns to NADH and okay. then you take an electron and then you have more energy. So you can give people NAD via IV form, which specifically affects the Krebs cycle within the mitochondria. So you're really working on mitochondrial health improving energy and then improving cognitive performance. And so it's really working on a very obviously cellular level um, to affect change intracellularly, intramitochondrially so that people do well. Um, so again, that's, I see a lot of that, you know, in the performance space. Um, and I mean, it's not, it's not on the World Anti-Doping Association website. I mean, because you can't A, measure it and B, you're not, doing anything, you're not putting in a foreign substance into your body, you're super, you're putting super therapeutic doses of a natural substance into your body that you're gonna urinate out anyhow if you don't need. But after, I mean, um, so many people need help with their mitochondria, which is not even my specialty, but that's just a small part of what I do. Um, and it's just super cool to use a natural medicine and see huge changes in people and they just feel better and can perform better or, um, I don't know. I just, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, me too. It worked for me for pregnancy and getting pregnant, you know, because I know um, you have a lot of, um, a lot of women have fatigue. They have, they don't have enough energy to produce good quality eggs. And these are most important part of it too, especially when you do it naturally, which is much better. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, in, in saying all this, I'm not anti all medication. I don't think all medications are created equally by any means. And I think we overuse and abuse some and maybe I don't know that I think any are underused, but um, but I do think they serve a purpose. And so if there's sometimes there is a time and a place to prescribe medications or prescribe a medication until you can get. I don't know. I mean, I don't really like Ambien, but just because people know what Ambien is, um, if people can't sleep, and then nothing else is working in their life because they're not sleeping. If they take Ambien for a week, get some decent sleep and then can. Sleep is I know it now because I have a three and a half year old girl. <laughs> yeah, right. But then if you, but you're right. And so you, you go a little bit crazy. I mean, when you're not sleeping. So, but I guess my point is, is if you take some medications, even for a short period of time to get to a point that you need, because then you can recover during the day and be a better human. There's nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, it's just when you don't address the other nine cause, right? Like if you came to me with a three and a half year old and said, boo-hoo, I don't sleep, I need Ambien. Ambien is not going to fix your problem. You know, getting your kid to sleep is going to fix your problem. Obviously, that just is a... Yeah, sleep 
just fix my problem. Great, totally. Um, yes, um, I used to be a morning person before, but right now sleep is so important for me. So yeah. I said, don't forget about it. I'm gonna have like full sleep. So even if in the middle of the night, I have to get up and take care of my baby, I said, I'm gonna compensate it and sleep again because nothing is more than a good quality sleep because if you don't, whole day you are crappy. <laughs> yes, and, and the thing is, is you can't, you can't, life is dynamic and your body is dynamic and what you're going through is dynamic. So you can't hold yourself and your sleep patterns and your eating habits to the same expectations they were four years ago, you know? Um, and so you just have to be one with as much as you can the fact that it's a phase of your life. I mean, I have three kids. My youngest is almost seven. And I think probably, I mean, and I've always been a morning person. I've always been worked out in the morning. And yeah, probably when they were young, I was just like, it's not worth it to me. Sleep is important. I can't just force myself to get up because that's also, then you're forcing yourself and releasing stress hormones and it's just not good. Yeah, I did it once. I said, oh, I'm going to get up early, but you know, because I didn't have good sleep the day the night before so my whole day was so bad so I said just relax you know yes totally and, yeah so I see you have a website what do you have there have a what oh, website? um it just talks about um the IVs that I do. So in my practice, um, like we spoke about in the beginning, um, I started, you know, my interest in the alternative medicine space in regenerative medicine, which is a branch of medicine that uses pretty much stimulates natural healing within your body. So whether you use prolotherapy, which is actually using an outside substance, injecting in where you kind of provide a noxious stimulus to um, obtain the natural inflammatory response, which is actually healing for your body, or you're using PRP, which is using your own platelets, or you're using your own stem cells um, coming from your own bone marrow and or your own fat, processing them and then re-injecting them into a patient to stimulate natural healing. Um, or So that's, that's kind of part of what I do. I've kind of put what I do into maybe four different categories. I do functional medicine, which tries to focus on the root cause of disease. And you can do that by um, kind of there's there's so many fat. I mean, there's so many facets of functional medicine. I don't do a ton of genetic testing because, um, well, you can't know it all. And um, that gets so specific. And I quickly realized I wasn't going to like learn all the things there were to know about genetic testing. Um, and I don't think we know enough yet to like, I mean, our, I don't know enough to really we're getting there, but there's just, it's, it's complicated. So I do a lot of talking to patients again about diet. Like I think what, what you eat affects so much of your health, not just the obvious things like diabetes and hypertension and weight, but um, I mean, even things that people may or may not know, like autoimmune disease and um, can, is very much influenced by what you eat. Um, let's see. So uh, I do a lot of hormones for men and women, which fall under the functional medicine, because again, that's addressing a root cause. I mean, as we get older, we start losing the amount of hormones we have. Men lose it slowly over time, where women just kind of like jump off the cliff, as we know, because we go through menopause. But even though we go through menopause, we actually start dropping our hormone levels um, before we actually just stop having periods. But it's still much more drastic for women than men. But um, people have. I mean, you know, something like 
for example, fatigue and mood changes and lower libido and just changed sex drive and skin changes. And that's all related to hormones. And so you can treat the root cause of a lot of those things by one, even though it is a medication, a medication, and you've kind of, you know, targeted five or 10 different symptoms. So we're not treating a symptom for an antidepressant and then a symptom for whatever, like all of the things of menopause. Um, I do a lot of IV vitamins for different things in general, like we talked about the IV NAD, which is very cool. Um, but I just think IV vitamins are so awesome. I mean, I had someone in my office today who felt awful. She's been overworked. I think she's starting to get a flu and it's a 45 minute IV with a ton of vitamin C, like all the B vitamins, some magnesium, potassium, and she walks out without a scratch in her throat. I mean, it's immediate and it's simple and it's affordable and you're not taking meds or you're not down for the count for days because you're sick. I mean, it's just like, to me, it makes sense. So that's kind of another part of my practice is like all the IVs I do are on my website. Um, and then I do some uh, aesthetics as well. So kind of, I mean, we can, I can do regenerative aesthetics, which I really like doing using platelets and your stem cells to just um, encourage collagen in your skin naturally to heal. And then I do some Botox and fillers just because like I've learned it and people who want to feel good want to look good as well. So that just, that's that. Um, and I really actually enjoy it. To be honest, when I learned it over a decade ago, I was like, oh, I don't know. I didn't go into medicine to do aesthetics. That doesn't bring me joy. But now I do it because you, again, you just see patients like they're so happy that they look a little bit better. I am not a plastic surgeon. I don't do all the things, but I mean, just a little bit of filler or Botox or micro needling, like, I don't know if people feel people are happy, which is really my goal as a physician. Feel, yeah, it feels good sometimes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You're doing so much stuff. It's exhausting. Skills, <laughs> no, that's good at least. Like, um, your way of uh, healing others, you use different aspects of your skills, which, which is fantastic. And I really appreciate it yeah. for sharing this information for yeah. us. Yeah, I honestly only do the things that I love doing. Patients ask me all the time, you know, like, what do you love the most? And I'm like, I pretty much cut out everything in medicine that I don't enjoy. Oh. So everything I offer in my practice, I would do to myself. Okay, thank you so much for yeah. being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. And Likewise. Uh, I wish you lots of luck and uh, success for you. Yes, thank you. Enjoy that three-year-old. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>